Our second scripture reading today is found in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, Paul writing, As I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. All right, so i got to tell you, plastic things in my world have been breaking lately. Plastic things. It's just been kind of a strange two weeks. It started on my car. There's a lot of plastic on a car these days. It's not metal anymore. It might look like metal, but it's not. And um, the front bumper seemed to be coming out of place. <laughs> the side kind of popped out, and then underneath it, the the under the bumper under the bumper I guess kind of came undone and was going against my tire and was getting all shredded and everything and uh, <laughs> so if you look close enough at the front of my car you'll see some zip ties under the <laughs> under the bumper and that, that that is my that's my temporary fix and it's holding right now <laughs> if you see a uh, a civic bumper on the side of the road, you'll know that the zip ties came undone. They're plastic too, so, yeah, you know. Um, now I'm driving the other day and I notice this plastic piece under the glove compartment is falling down. It's like, what is going on here? So when I got to work, I, you know, came around, it's like, try to push it back under there and you see where it snaps into place and it's like, what is this, one of those snap together models? You remember those kind, you know, it used to be the glue, you did the glue, and then they, you came to where it just snapped together models, and I feel like that's what I'm driving. And uh, then I get that in place, and I'm driving home from work Wednesday afternoon, and I have this, the, the armrest in between the two seats that you can open it up, and there's a little compartment there, okay? And I'm fooling with the radio, and it just pops up, and it scares me to death. It's like, oh, my, I mean, I literally, I almost ran off the road. It's like, ah, oh. you know, Sherry, I thought it might have been a spider or something. I don't know. And so I push it back down, and it pops back up. And I push it down, and it pops back up. And so now I'm having to ride with my elbow on it to keep it down. I pull off the road. And sure enough, the plastic latch is broken. Of course, I might have broken it when I went, boom, one time to try to get it to really, and it didn't work. Um, so it's got Velcro now that's <laughs> holding it down. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's crazy. Okay, the next morning, I'm getting my coffee ready to go to work, and I have the little thing of honey that I put in the coffee, and I you know, flip up the plastic lid on it, and it breaks. And I'm thinking, what is going on with the plastic things in my life? Things are falling apart. Sometimes we feel like that in life. It seems like everything is falling apart. 
and we need someone to help us pick up the pieces. Fortunately for many of us, this person is or was our mother. On the humorous side, I read this to you five years ago. I figure the statute of limitations on when I can repeat something is five years, so uh, here goes again, all right? If you were here, you probably remember it. Maybe you don't. The definition of barbecuing. It's the only type of cooking a real man will do. When a man volunteers to do the barbecue, the following chain of events is put into motion. Number one, the woman goes to the store. Number two, the woman fixes a salad, vegetables, and dessert. Number three, the woman prepares the meat for cooking, places it on a tray along with the necessary cooking utensils, and takes it to the man who is lounging beside the grill. Number four, the man places the meat on the grill. Number five, the woman goes inside to set the table and check the vegetables. Number six, the woman comes out to tell the man that the meat is burning. <laughs> Number seven, the man takes the meat off the grill and hands it to the woman. Number eight, the woman prepares the plates and brings them to the table. Number nine, after eating, the woman clears the table and does the dishes. Number ten, everyone praises the man and thanks him for his wonderful barbecue. Okay? And another one that I read five years ago, a teacher had just given her second grade class a lesson on magnets. Now came the question session. She asked the class, my name starts with an M and I pick up things. What am I? A little boy shot up his hand and said, a mother. Okay. Instead of a magnet. Okay. Okay. That one wasn't as good. It wasn't, I, it wasn't good five years ago either. <laughs> Now, I did not read this one to you five years ago. This is a new one. But this was a letter written that was published uh, May 14th, 2000. Okay, so 17 years ago. So some of the, the things in it are a little bit dated. But it was a Dear Ann Landers. This man had seen this on the Internet, thought she might want to print it on Mother's Day, and she thanked him and said, yes, it's perfect. So here it goes. Mom and Dad were watching TV when Mom said, I'm tired and it's getting late. I think I'll go to bed. She went to the kitchen to make sandwiches for the next day's lunches, rinsed the popcorn bowls, took meat out of the freezer for supper the following evening, checked the cereal box levels, filled the sugar container, put spoons and bowls on the table, and set up the coffee pot for brewing the next morning. She then put some wet clothes into the dryer, sewed on a loose button, picked up the newspaper strewn on the floor and the game pieces left on the table, and put the telephone book back into the drawer. That's where it's kind of dated. She watered the plants, emptied a wastebasket, hung up a towel to dry, wrote a note to the teacher, and counted out some cash for the kid's field trip. She signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope, and wrote a quick reminder for the grocery store. She put some water into the dog's dish, put the cat outside, and then made sure the doors were locked. Mom washed her face, put on moisturizer, and brushed and flossed her teeth. Her husband called, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she replied. She looked in on each of the children, turned off a bedside lamp, hung up a shirt, threw some dirty socks in the hamper, had a brief conversation with the older child who was up doing homework. In her own room, she set the alarm, laid out clothes for the next day, straightened up the shoe rack, added three chores to her list of things to do the next day. About that time, her husband turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed, and he did. So, you get it? I mean, he just did it, and she did all this other stuff. Okay.
well, hey, you know, Ann Landers isn't always the best, okay? Okay, this is, you know, you know, it's, it might be that what I've been talking about describes your mother to a T, and that your mother was the one who made sure that everything stayed together, that everything was done the right way. And it may be that you have fond memories of time spent with your mother, that you remember her as the person in your life who was always there to help you pick up the pieces. But it also may be that some of you are not able to say that, that you say, you know what, this does not describe my mother at all. My mother was nothing like this, and in fact, my mother was not there for me in this way. <coughs> we attended Corey's graduation ceremony yesterday at First Baptist Church Broad in Memphis, and the theme of the service was letting your light shine. And the speaker at one point, talking to the graduates, asked this question to them, who lit your wick? Speaking in terms of letting your light shine, who lit your wick? What a question for all of us to ponder. Who lit your wick? Who was it in your life that got you going? Who motivated you to be where you are today? Who pushed you? Oh, so gently maybe, or maybe not so gently, in a certain direction. For our two graduates, Corey and Zachary, who are back in the nursery right now, I would think they would be able to answer without hesitation that their mothers were there for them in this regard. But that's not always the case. Some folks struggle to think of anyone who has been there to help them pick up the pieces. You might ask this question to someone, who has been there for you? And it might be that there are folks that say, I can't right offhand think of someone who was there for me. I have students all the time that would answer in that way. There's not anyone there. I've had to do all of this. When my life goes to pieces, there is no one there to help me pick up the pieces. But here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. Listen again to the words from Paul from Ephesians. I'm reading verses 4 through 6, Maxine from the message. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness, Paul tells the church. Did you hear all the references to oneness in those three verses? Paul writes that the church is called, believers are called to do what? 
to travel on the same road, to travel in the same direction, to stay together in every way. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. My translation, you are always a part of helping pick up the pieces. That word permeate can mean any one of the following, to pass into every part or to pass through every part of something, to penetrate through the pores, to be diffused through, to pervade, to saturate, to be permeated with oneness, to be saturated. Every part of who we are has oneness that is passed through it. In short, as believers, we are called to maintain unity to maintain oneness. And because we are permeated or saturated with oneness, there should never be a soul on this planet who feels as if he or she does not have someone to help pick up the pieces as long as the church is following its call. Bringing it closer to home, there should never be anyone within your circle of influence or within my circle of influence who feels alone, who feels that no one is there to help them pick up the pieces when life is falling apart, not as long as you or I are around. There should never be a person who interacts within this church who feels alone. There should never be anyone who walks through those doors and then leaves thinking, I don't know where to go to get things together. And why is that? Because this is our calling. We are called to build not to destroy. We are called to pull together, not to break apart. We are called to unify, not to separate. We are called into oneness, not into individual pieces. And believe me, there are plenty of folks in our world who seem to be called to do the opposite. We live in a day where tearing folks down has become an art form, and there are accomplished artists all around. Folks who seem to thrive on divisiveness. But that is not our call. But that's difficult, you might say. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how rough things are for me in my life right now. You don't understand what my world is like. And you're right, I don't. I don't. But there is one who does. And that is the one God and Father of all 
who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. The God we serve, the God we have pledged our lives to, he is the one who brings unity out of chaos, who is able to pick up all the pieces and form a beautiful mosaic. He is the one who is able to infuse oneness into everything we are and think and do. And as we sang earlier, we are called to be God's people, showing by our lives his grace, one in heart and one in spirit, sign of hope for all the race. Back to our passage, verses 2 and 3. Paul writes, I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. The God of oneness calls us to strive for oneness with each other, pouring ourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences, but not to accentuate or call attention to the differences, but to mend fences. Sounds kind of like a description of the attributes of the mothers that we were talking about a while ago. But maybe the question should be, does it sound like you and me? God is there to pick up the pieces for us. Are we there for others? Let's pray. God, our Father, we are so thankful For those people who come to mind right now who have been there for us, those people maybe who have gone on before us, some of them in our lives right now, who are a constant encouragement for us, who never gave up, never give up on us. Father, who make it one of their purposes in life to see that we excel to see that we have what we need in this broken world. But Father, may we not get so comfortable in receiving that from another, that we overlook the one in front of us who needs to receive that as well and who may not have had the same encouragement that we have had. Father, may we be mindful of those around us. May we strive to pour ourselves out for each other. May we strive to mend fences. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.